Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I sent my prophet Jeremiah to you who pleaded with you and wept and you incarcerated him and tortured him and beat him and whipped him and mocked him. I tried. But I'll never force myself on you. You have free will. And I tried everything and I stopped at nothing to get you to repent and you refused. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Varag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Sometimes God will send us exactly what or who we're praying for, but we're so stuck in our idea of how God should answer that we reject the very person or thing he sent to help us. In today's message, Pastor J.D. shows us how our own stubbornness can be the reason we don't accept the help that's right in the front of us. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 21 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Hezekiah was king and 185,000 Assyrians had besieged the city. And God's like, I'll take care of it. You will? Yeah. Don't worry. I'll take care of this. Okay. When? Tonight. What are you going to do? You'll see. And he sends a no-named angel. This is an intern. It's not even an archangel. He just sends a no-name angel, go down, and 185,000 Assyrians are killed. I guess God's going to take care of it. They wake up in the morning, they look out over the city walls, and here's the Assyrians, and they're dead. I think this is what he's hoping will happen again with the Babylonians. Maybe God will do what he did with the Assyrians. So maybe King Zedekiah is hoping that God will do what he did for King Hezekiah. It's not going to happen. Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus you shall say to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, with which you fight against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans, who besiege you outside the walls, and I will assemble them in the midst of this city. I myself, verse 5, will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in my anger and fury and great wrath. Wow. I totally wouldn't have said that. I would have said, this is what I would have said. Thus says the Lord, told you so 20 years ago, but you mocked me and tortured me, and now you come to me? Okay. No, not Jeremiah. (laughs) Conspicuously absent from Jeremiah is any mention of him being vindicated. This isn't about him. Remember now, Jeremiah loves these people. 
He wept over these people. He pleaded with God for these people. He begged God, how many times for these people? He took no delight whatsoever in the judgment that was coming on his people. He's not vindicated. I'm sure he's grieved. Verse 6, I will strike the inhabitants of this city. Again, this is what the Lord is saying through the prophet Jeremiah. Both man and beast, they shall die of a great pestilence. That's interesting. And afterward, verse 7 says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah king of Judah, his servants, and the people, and such as are left in this city, from the pestilence and the sword and the famine, you will, yeah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon. Oh, into the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those who seek their life, and he shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them, or have pity, or mercy. Now you shall say to this people, verse 8, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life, and the way of death. He, verse 9, who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out and defects or surrenders to the Chaldeans who besiege you, he shall live, and his life shall be as a prize to him. Before we go to verse 10, I want to just make one comment on this. You want to save your life, you have to lose it. This is the paradox. He's given them a choice. Do you see this? If you try to fight and stay in the city and take your stand and fight this fight, you're going to die. But if you go out and you surrender, to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, your life will be spared. That's your choice. It's your choice. I've already made my choice. Now, this seems really harsh, right? Listen to verse 10. For I have set my face against this city for adversity, and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. Romans 8.31, we love this verse, right? If God is for you, who could be against you? It works both ways. If God is against you, who can be for you? You know what God is saying here, is your problem is not the Babylonians, your problem is me you're fighting against me. And uh, <laughs> that will not end well. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Um, your problem is a God problem. Your problem is not the Babylonians. The Babylonians are the instrument in my hands because you got a God problem. Your problem is God, and when your problem is God, 
then God becomes the solution to the problem. And that's what he's saying. Now, this is important. Please don't miss this, because this is why it is that many people have considerable difficulty with chapters and places like this in God's Word, particularly in the Old Testament. This is why pastors won't touch this with a ten-foot pole. Because it, it gives people the impression that God is not just, God is unfair, that this is disproportionate. God is going to have them killed, and He's given them this choice. I mean, it's kind of a lose-lose choice. So A, I can try to stay and fight, stand my ground. And if I make that choice, I'm going to die, because I'm going up against God, who is already judged. And that's a B. I do have another choice. The other choice is, only two choices. The other choice is I could surrender and I'll be taken captive by the Babylonians. Is there door number three? No. It's just either door number one or door number two. It's your choice. Well, that seems kind of harsh. Well, wait a minute. My judgments are just. If I recall, if I'm not mistaken, I gave you how many years to repent? I sent my prophet Jeremiah to you, who pleaded with you and wept, and you incarcerated him and tortured him and beat him and whipped him and mocked him. I tried, but I'll never force myself on you. You have free will. And I tried everything, and I stopped at nothing to get you to repent, and you refused. In fact, do you remember what we read in previous chapters? I mean, it was just blatant and brazen. I mean, they, they told Jeremiah, stop! We're going to kill you if you keep doing this. You keep prophesying judgment. You keep prophesying about the Babylonians. We're going to shut you up. How about that? We're going to kill you. They had a, a plot to take his life, and it was from his own family, his hometown. You did that. I tried. You already sealed your fate. You already hardened your heart. You already stiffened your neck. You already made up your mind. I'm not going to force you. One last thing, and then we'll bring the chapter to an end. I appreciate your patience with me. This is tough stuff. I think about the Apostle Paul when he delineates between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. The difference? Worldly sorrow is the sorrow of being caught. This is worldly sorrow. <laughs> the Babylonians are already there, and now we want to talk. Now you want to talk. Now you want to hear what I have to say. That's not genuine. That's not genuine. See, the genuine godly sorrow that's sincere and genuine leads to genuine change and repentance. That's the difference. 
I mean, one might be tempted, for lack of a better word, to think that God would relent at this point. Well, it looks like it worked. It took 20 plus 30 years, all that Jeremiah had to go through. I mean, we're fast forwarding from chapter 20 to chapter 21, if for no other reason to give us hope and encourage us like Jeremiah. Hey, yeah, you're going to survive this. Let me just, uh, let's fast forward uh, episode three, series, uh, you know, season two, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I had a, um, was that Netflix? I don't know, whatever. Let's fast forward and, and let's see what happens 20 years from now. It's like reading the end of the book. Do you ever do that? I don't, do people read books anymore? I don't know. Let's see how this ends. Because if Jeremiah knew that in 20 years this was going to happen, maybe it would have made it a little bit easier for him. No, you're going to make it, Jeremiah. Uh, They're going to come to you. But here's the problem. When they do, it's going to be too late, because it's not sincere. It's not genuine. Oh, uh, they're sorry, because the Babylonians are here. (laughs) That's not genuine. That's not godly sorrow, that's worldly sorrow. It's kind of like this when you get pulled over, and the police officer pulls you over, and I I mean, I am sorry, officer. Really? Are you sorry that I pulled you over, that you got caught? Yeah, because if I was genuinely sorry, I would change how I drive. There would be repentance the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. So don't think that the onus is on God here. It's not on God. This is just. This is righteous. This is fair. God has gone to great extents. I think about in, it's got to be, is it Genesis or Exodus, where he gave the uh, Amorites I think it was the Amorites, one of the Ites, 400 years to repent. 400 years he gave them to repent, and they did not repent. Perhaps I can wrap this up and finish this up this way. There will never be anyone in heaven or hell that will ever be able to honestly say that they got the short end of the stick, as it were. God's judgments are just, and they're righteous, and they're true, and they're amen. God is just, and this is just. And actually, from verse 11 on through verse 14 to the end of the chapter, it kind of spills over into chapter 22, and it's really concerning the coming judgment on corrupt leaders. And I I have to say that, you know, even chapter 21, but especially chapter 22, it could be read today. And if you want to answer the same question concerning a chapter 22, which really is a continuation of what we're going to read from verses 11 through 14. If you want to ask the question of why do we have that in our Bibles, it's because it's to encourage God's people, hey, I'm going to have the final word. 
all the evil, all the corruption perpetrated on people, don't think for a second they're going to get away with it. And that settles me, by the way. That really settles my heart. I think about the psalmist Asaph in Psalm 73, who, I mean, you talk about a crisis of faith. Not because he didn't have faith in God, but because he had faith in God. But it seemed like God was turning a blind eye to the wicked, who were prospering in everything they did. And here he is, righteous. Have I cleansed my hands in vain? I mean, I'm suffering, I'm being mocked, I'm being ridiculed, I'm being incarcerated, I'm being tortured. For your sake, Jesus, I'm being persecuted because of the calling you have on my life. This is my lot, my daily lot, and I'm looking at my neighbor over here. This guy is as wicked as wicked can be. And he's pulled up in a brand new Mercedes Benz. What's up with that? My Toyota's still in the shop. And he's messed up about this. How is it that the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? That's not just. That's not fair. <laughs> and then he comes to his senses when he goes to the sanctuary of the Lord, and the Lord shows them a chapter 21. This is their end. And he goes from being envious of them to feeling sorry for them, because that's how it ends? Oh man, I'm good. <laughs> the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits. But judgment's coming, and God's going to settle the score, so to speak. And God's going to have the final word. And verse 11, concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment in the morning, and deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go forth like fire, and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Listen, judgment has already come. There's no stopping it. There is, though, something you can do. Now here it is again, verse 13, Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, says the Lord, who say, Who shall come down against us? Or who shall enter our dwellings? But verse 14, here's how the chapter ends. I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, says the Lord. I will kindle a fire in its forest, and it shall devour all things around it. Okay. Wow. So, okay, this is what chapter 22 is about? Yes. <laughs> uh, again, tough stuff. Why do I need to know this? Why is this in my Bible? Because this is God's way of saying, hey, Jeremiah, the Jeremiah's of this world, judgment will come. I'm going to take care of this. You just calm down and you leave it with me. One last thing. Jeremiah prays, God, meet out vengeance against them. 
Oh, is that okay? Absolutely it is, because vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now sadly we stop there. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Don't take matters into your own, own hands. Don't try to mete out vengeance yourself. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. But we leave off the other part of that. I will repay. All right. Can't wait. Is that bad? No. That settles me because God is just. God just settles the hearts of the battle weary, the Jeremiah's, with this truth that, hey, I'm going to take care of this. I know what they're doing to you. I know about all the torture. I know about all the whippings. I know about all the mockings. I know about all the scoffings. I know about all the ridiculings. I'm going to have the final word. You just leave it to me. Okay. You just keep doing what I've called you to do. I'll sustain you. And there is a chapter 21 for you. I know it doesn't seem like it right now. It doesn't seem like you're going to make it. <laughs> it does seem like this is how it ends. I'm not going to survive this. You will. You will. You just wait. You'll see. God's going to get you through. God's going to see you through. He can't not because of who He is and how good He is, and more importantly, how much He loves you. I was just, okay, What this is the last, last thing. <laughs> you know how we love our children? Sometimes I even told this to my son who uh, went back to the mainland for college, and I just was like, Levi, I, I wish I didn't love you so much, it wouldn't hurt so much. He's like, really? <laughs> It just, it's getting so hard. I just love him so much, and I miss him so much. <laughs> I know, right? Such a crybaby, but whatever. But here's what the Lord ministered to me. You know how much you love your children, and I love my children so much. It doesn't even come anywhere, it's not even on the same scale to be compared with how much I love you. Whoa. If I love them that much, and you love me infinitely more, what was my problem again? I wanted to quit. I accused you of tricking me. I'm so sorry, Lord. What was I thinking? You weren't. I love you so much. You'll see. I'm going to see you through. I know it doesn't seem, seem, which comes from see, it doesn't seem like it, but you'll see. Just believe and you'll see. It's not believing is seeing, it's seeing. We say seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing, it's the other way around. You just trust me. You just believe and you'll see what I'm going to do. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. Okay, this is the last, last one. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You be of good courage. David says, I would have, I almost gave up. I almost, like Jeremiah, I almost quit. I tried. I was ready to throw in the towel. But I remain confident of this one truth, that God is good. And I will see the goodness of God. And he kind of talks to himself. This is different than self-talk. He's talking to himself. He's, he's saying to himself, you cheer up. <laughs> Come on. You're going to see what the Lord's going to do. 
We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. and That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.